Hi, and welcome to Modern Animism Radio. This is Laura Giles, your host and co-founder of Pan Society. I've been asking for your participation and questions, and you have delivered. I actually have a backlog of questions to get to, and I'm never going to catch up if I do a blog post or video for each one. So today's podcast is going to be a hodgepodge. I'm going to be talking about um, a few questions, and there's also like four or five other people in the Ask Question podcast that both Jerry and I have answered. So if you're new to the program, you may want to dig those out of the archives because your question may already be answered there. Or, you know, we have, I don't know, tons of hundreds of uh, YouTube videos and, and blog posts. So I'm sure we've covered tons of stuff. You might want to check those out. Uh, I've never done this before on the air, but I'm going to open by intoning the IO. And if you don't know what that is, there is a YouTube video on the Pan Society invocation that you can check out. So let's get centered together. I acknowledge and thank the Earth for this beautiful planet that we live on, our bodies, the plants and animals that feed us, the flowers that are starting to bloom and beautifying and perfuming everything, and all the sensuous delights that make each day so amazing. I thank the air for the power to communicate, to listen, to connect, to speak and inspire, and be inspired by each other. I acknowledge and thank the fire for the desire that fuels us into action and connection and gives us the power to act with respect for ourselves and others. I acknowledge and thank the water for purification, balance, emotions, and the means to keep moving. I thank our plants, animal, mineral, and spirit brothers and ancestors for all the ways you support and teach us that are seen and unseen. I acknowledge and give gratitude to all our listeners for being here, commenting, and asking your questions. Don't be shy. I get so many more private conversations than public ones. And it makes me think that you're scared to speak up. So there's no dumb questions or comments. It's okay to speak to each other. You know that in uh, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, book on outliers, he talks about how if you are the runt of the litter on a sports team and sticks with it, you're going to excel really quickly because those around you who are more highly skilled will bring you up. So don't be afraid of being a newbie. Engage. It's okay. It helps everyone when you just let yourself be where you are. And I'll tell you this. As a teacher and someone who's been anonymous since birth, it's easy to forget or just not be aware of what it's like to be outside looking in and not know things. So sometimes I can't anticipate what you want or what you need to know. And I need the questions for us to get on the same page. And as you'll see from our first question, you guys have been asking me the same question over and over, and I, I just didn't get it. Um, both Sherry and I have covered it in many ways, but it wasn't until I was asked in a particular way that I understood what information you were looking for. So here are the questions I'm going to be covering in today's podcast. So number one is, what do the mystical aspects of animism look like? And that's really the one that's been asked over and over. It's like, what is animism? What is this? What is this? Tell us about this. And and I'm telling you based on where I'm standing, but I didn't realize that what you wanted to know was about the mystical stuff. So that's just a teeny tiny portion of it. It kind of, in a way, as far as time goes, um, not a lot. Of, I don't spend a lot of time in that. Um, 
but it, it is an underlying piece of all of it. So I'm going to tackle that today. Um, question number two is what do I do in liminal space? Three is how do I cope with spiritual awakening? Four is where can I start my animus journey? Five is how do I deal with the pressure and work of being a light worker? Six is what's the difference between modern animism and indigenous animism? And seven, what is it like hanging out with animists? So I wanted to um, put all of those questions like that. So if you have asked those questions, that you know that I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm answering your question. But when you when I start to answer them, that's going to get probably kind of get all jumbled up. So I just want to let you know I do hear you, um, and I and I will answer it. So <laughs> let's go to the first one. Um, what are the mystical aspects of animism look like? So this is, I guess, so when when we're talking about you know your morning routine and meditation and the mystical aspects are generally incorporated into the little things you do. So it's not something that I take time out of my day unless it's a ritual in the community and it, it's just like a special thing. Um, if I am in need of help or or I, I am stuck or something, then I might have a ritual or if it's a holy day or something that's different where I have to plan for it if I need to go get things to 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 conjure something or to a manifest I don't I'm, it's not really manifesting but just to to make my will known and to get some help and I don't want to say bending my will or, or creating it because it sounds manipulative but to kind of just solidify my desires and make things go in a direction that I want them to go then then I might take time out of my day to do something but usually the mystical aspects of animism are just incorporated into everyday life and that's kind of not why I was like I don't know what you're asking me what are you asking me I'm so confused <laughs> you know because if we dream if I don't dream very often I'm a, I'm a I wake up really quickly I can go from asleep to awake and I'm not groggy I don't need coffee I'm just poof, up and when you're one of those people it's very you don't have a very long hypnopompic um, window of where you remember your dreams I'm that person um, but dreams are, are are kind of a way that you can work the mystical aspect because you can your dreams are, are telling it your your spirit self and the spirit realm is communicating with you in your dreams. It's like highlighting stuff that you don't see, maybe that you're not paying attention to, things that are bothering you. It's the language of the right brain of metaphor. And it's a way for you to like, hey, wake up, pay attention to this, you know, here's your answer kind of thing. Um, I'd really like working there. And and that's something that I might do if if I'm curious about something or if I'm in learning phase or a growing phase I might do that. Really, that's where the mystical aspects come in. Either when it's just not in ordinary life. So another uh, way that the mystical aspects come in is if I so I walk almost every day, and there's four trails that I frequent, and then I walk in all different kinds of places because I just like nature and I like seeing the variety and stuff like that. So another way that the mystical aspects might look is that it, while I'm on the walk, so there's two ways of walking. One is walking for exercise, and you're just not really paying attention. And the other one is more like forest bathing. 
where you're present with everything. And so when you're present with everything, then you might spend some time in the energy of the trees. Trees are real obvious. They're big. You can't miss them. They, their energy is also big. Um, so you might just spend some time with a tree. Or, or with the earth. Getting to know the earth. Lying on the earth and just feeling the support. Or looking up at the sky and the vastness of it. Things like that. Um, for the purpose of just being there. Or maybe I want to learn from it. And so I linger and I get to know it so that it can reveal its secrets to me. So when we have spirit animals, that's really what that's about. It is having an animal teacher. And we, as we get to know the energy of the animal, we get to know a bit more about ourselves and how that energy flows through us and how that energy speaks through us and how it, how it can protect us, how it can uh, help us to be more in tune with our strengths, maybe the ways that we hide and protect ourselves, that kind of thing. So everything in the world has energy and this energy is connected to us and it is available to us. Some of them are closer and easier, some of them are farther away. Like it, for people who are really in tune with crystals, that's, you know, that's why. It's because you just really resonate with that and it's easy. Um, other people find crystals like it, it just feels dead to them. So you have to, some things are just easier and some things just require a practice. So the mystical aspects of animism, I mean, it could have anything. There's just so many ways. It's such a big topic. I guess I'm, I'm struggling to find um, where to go with this. So you can also use it for healing. Plants are healers. Um, energy is healing. Prayer is healing. If you engage in that, that's definitely part of the mystical aspect of animism. But it's an everyday thing. It's not like... Like in the West, you go to a school, you learn these things, you practice these things with a class, you get graded, and, and hopefully you have learned a skill that you can then use. I know that um, in therapy, I have so many people who, who go to classes, like my cohorts, cohorts, my co co colleagues, <laughs> who go to classes, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I took this class, but I don't, I'm not using it, I can't, you know. And that can happen, I guess, it, with, with animism too, but... Generally speaking, the the learning, unless you take a class to like learn herbs or something, it's kind of organic and it becomes a part of you. So you just kind of know how to heal in the way that you know how to heal. It. Um, just because you've gotten to know something and it's relational. So it's a really different way of learning and it's a really different way of expressing that learning. It feels more like it flows and it's organic versus lessons and and if you if you join our class, you're going to see that it's the same way there. It might be really frustrating for some people. And I'm actually really left brain logical, but this to me is not a left brain logical kind of thing, and so I don't teach it that way. So apologies in advance for any frustrated people who end up in my class. <laughs> um, uh, another thing that can show up is signs. I did a video recently on do you pay attention to signs, and Signs are always all around us. Everything's always connected. And I have the attitude that everything is conspiring for us to be wildly happy, wildly protected, wildly interesting, um, curious. It, everything here is for us, for our entertainment, for our growth, for our wholeness. Even the things that make us really, really sad and tear us up and threaten to destroy us are here for, for our highest good. And... You can miss them if you don't pay attention to signs. You can miss the exit ramp 
you know, maybe I'm on this roller coaster and it is from my highest good. I've had enough. I need to get off this ride. And here's the sign on how to do that. If I'm not paying attention, I won't see it. So all over uh, around us, there are signs everywhere. Um, I think that's another mystical aspect of animism. Ritual for sure. Ritual is more of a formalized thing. Um, well, that's what a ritual is. It's a formalized thing that you do over and over again <laughs> in the same way to give it power. Um, in the same way that that can reduce the power of a thing because it can become rote. So in animism, generally we don't have rituals that we write down and, and you know, this is the structure, this is the, the, there is a ritual structure and we pretty much follow that structure, but it can be different every single time that we do it. Every moon circle is different, for example. Um, but that structure gives a way for anybody who's coming in to kind of know what's going on. Um, but it is it is a very spontaneous thing within that fabric. And that's why we don't have a lot of rituals written down. But we do write them down because if you've never done one before, you might not know. And you got to start somewhere. Um, but when it's done truly in an animistic style, it 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 is a ritual and it isn't. Um, rites of passage are the same way. So I was having a conversation with somebody about rites of passage uh, yesterday, and we were talking about how with rites of passage, they always let you know where you are. There's so much confusion now with people just not knowing who they are, and you know with the um, I went to the woods to find myself kind of thing. If you're an animist, it's kind of a I don't I don't know anybody who does that because you always know who you are and where you are because you're always connected to everything else. You can't get lost if you're tethered to all this kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? You're you're tethered to the ground. You're tethered to your family. You you know when you cross that threshold of childhood into adulthood, you know it. You can't go back. That door is closed. And that's what the rite of passage does. Is it 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 in in one of the ways that they say it, it kills the void so that the man can be born. You don't have a lot of problems with identity and confusion that you have in the West and in the societies because of that. So I think rites of passage are so important. You you don't want to be a grown up. Guess what? <laughs> you know all of the society supports you and promotes your new identity. It's a good thing. It's a graduation and. And so it doesn't feel scary. You, are, you know what you're doing. You're trained to do what you do. You have support. You have people around you who are helping you in that transition. And they want you to succeed. So rites of passage are, are it's a symbolic, mystical uh, aspect of animist life. I would call it that, yeah. Um, divination is another one. I um, have been doing cards since I was, I don't even remember a time when I, didn't do cards honestly but there's lots and lots of ways to do divination you could do cloud divination you could throw bones you could I don't know people you maybe you're just psychic and you know things just come to you um, so I guess what I'm the mystical aspects of animism is really about engaging with your feminine side the intuitive side the right brain side because everything that I'm saying really is right brain and if you're living a holistic lifestyle then this quote-unquote mystical stuff is just going to be there um, there's probably all different kinds of other things that I could talk about. It doesn't really feel mystical to me or paranormal to me. And that's probably one of the reasons why when people are asking the question, I was like, I don't know how to answer this. I'm not hearing this question in this way because it's not, none of it's paranormal. It's just normal. It's just 
the right side brain of life. So we have the apparent world and then we have the other world or the imaginal world. And when you're an animist, then you're in both of these all the time. So you're not in my left brain's race and my right brain's race. I'm in both all the time. I'm in the, this world and that world at the same time. Hope that makes sense. I know if you've never had the experience of that, probably don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but maybe that'll get, help you to get closer. Um, in the class when we're, we're doing these, this is why it's an experiential animism class. It's to give you the practice of doing that. And then all the blah, blah, blah stuff, the wordy stuff will start to click and make sense. Or, or you just won't even need the words at all. You'll just have an understanding of it. So that's how it's designed to work to give you an understanding. Cause I think we can talk all day long and talking is good. I like words, I like communicating, but until you have a felt sense of it, it's probably not going to click. Okay, question number two. What do I do in liminal space and um, how do I cope with spiritual awakening? I'm actually going to do these two together because they're really close. And you might be like, what? <laughs> uh, spiritual awakening is a liminal space. So that's, that's why I'm putting these two together. So for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, Liminal space is like a doorway. If you're standing in the threshold, then you are neither in this room nor the next one. You're in the space in between. Uh, the, the place between dawn and dusk is a liminal space. It's neither day nor night. It's kind of an in-between. And there's lots of places. The, the holy days are liminal spaces as the seasons change. Um, and there's lots of spaces like this in our lives that are that feel like a free fall. With a spiritual awakening, it's when you have an abrupt shift in awareness that happens all at once. So usually, change is gradual. If you think about the seasons, it doesn't go from unless you're talking about yesterday. <laughs> it doesn't go from winter to 80 degrees in a single day. Um, there are days when it does that, like you know when a hurricane comes through, it's real blustery and stuff. But generally speaking, it's it's gradual. Um, and so in the space that's in between, neither this nor that, it's like, you know, is it spring or is it, is it winter or is it summer? Is it, what, what's the season? You don't know. So you don't know what to do. COVID is that because we, there's no, there's no certainty here. And the first thing that we want to do when we're in this space is grab onto something for stability. Love that earth energy. We want to feel grounded. We're humans. We're, we are earth energy and we need that. Grounding, except that in liminal space that doesn't exist. And so people can feel really, ah, as you're free falling um, after your spiritual awakening. So what I'm going to suggest is to just be there. Um, it depends on what the liminal space is. Sometimes you have no control in that, and sometimes you do. So if you're in a space where you do have some control, then I would set your intention and steer towards the direction that you want to go in. If you're in a space that you don't have any control, like COVID, roll with it. Uh, we've been in COVID for a year now, and despite all the vaccines and all that, it doesn't look like it's going to change all that much, um, not any with any speed. So <clears throat> all you can do is roll with it. Get used to uncertainty. Um, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like I know what I'm doing, where I'm going, where what tomorrow is going to look like, but just hang out there. There's a lot of things that you can learn in liminal space that can help you through life. And you don't have to panic. 
Um, humans are liminal creatures, so it's actually our nature to be in between. We are in between heaven and earth. That's where we live. Um, so I, I this is this is one of my COVID uh, learnings. <laughs> I wouldn't have said this uh, a year ago, but it it really is helping me to be just who I am, where I am, to be in this liminal space. So how do you what do you do in liminal space? Hang out, steer. Um, take care of the little things like eating, sleeping. Remember when, when COVID first started and people were like, I've been in pajamas for 30 days in a row now? <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, don't do that. I mean, unless that's where you are that day. You want to keep on doing the things that you do and self-care things. Because if you don't do the self-care things, you're going to go down really fast. Everybody still needs to eat. They still need to sleep. They still need to have contact with people. They still need to meditate, those kinds of things. And that's the same thing I would do with the spiritual awakening. So not, you're not lost. Nothing bad's going to happen. It's just you're not in control right now. And sometimes it's you're just not. You know, if a hurricane's coming through, a tornado's coming through, you have no control. You just got to roll with it. So it's it's a practice in letting go and trusting. And that's what I would do with a spiritual awakening is just it, I think the temptation with a spiritual awakening is to go out and tell people, "Oh my God, I'm so awake! Look at look at how look at me! I know this! I've, I can do this!" And you kind of get wrapped up in yourself, and they call that um, inflation. I've suddenly become so important because I've had this experience, or I can do this thing. And really, it's about getting staying humble and staying connected to your roots and remembering who you are, your connections to community. Um, and just being yourself. Everything will work out. Trust. That kind of goes into number four, which is where can I start my animus journey? And I would say right where you are. So there's nothing that you have to do. You're already on it. Everybody's already an animus. Everybody's always been sacred. Everybody's always been one. It's when you're kind of saying, hmm, you know, this is, this is, I think, what I want to do. I, this is what I, how I want to um, live about my life in a conscious way. That's fantastic. So start there and then do what calls to you. If you are in a bad mood today, be in a bad mood today. If you feel like going out and hanging out with the elements, the nature, go do that today. Um, if you want a direction, the Wheel of Life is a really great place to start. Find out where you are in it and explore that energy. So what I'm talking about, find out where you are in it. So let's say that I'm in my sensuous phase and I'm really digging um, all the pleasures of just being alive, all the earthly things, things that I can touch. So if I'm a decorator, I might really want to decorate and get my hands on some things that feel really good, have some good food, you know, and just explore all the pleasures of the body. If I'm uh, heady, then maybe I want to read some stuff and have some conversations share ideas, be inspired, that kind of thing. So really I would start where you are, figure out what is my energy, how do I best like to learn, how do I best like to explore, and do that. And as long as you're mindful, then you'll grow. Mindfulness really, I think, is the key to everything. Because if you're not mindful, all of the mystical stuff's going to pass you by. You're not going to know where you are in liminal space, or maybe even that you're in liminal space. <laughs> If you know where you are, I am here, that's a really key element to solving problems, to living well, 
doing anything. Because if I'm here and you're there, we're not connected, right? we got to get in the same space. If I want to be there and I'm acting like I'm there, but I'm over here, then I'm not living my life. So I am here is a really good place to start your animus journey. So be here. Listen to your body. Listen to your mind. What do I want? What do I feel? Feel your feelings. And when you're done feeling your feelings, you'll have another feeling. And then feel that feeling. And that's going to take you to the next one and the next one and the next one. And then you'll just be doing that in an animus way. So with the knowing that I am sacred, that this is okay, that you're okay, that we're connected. We're not connected. I want to be more connected. I want to be less connected. Whatever you're doing, you're, you'll be living. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do ten ceremonies. You don't have to, you don't have to intone anything. You don't have to invoke anything. You don't have to do any of that, uh, unless that means something to you. So, if this feels like a non, if, if all of what I'm saying is feels like a non-answer, it's because I don't have the answer for you. I can only point it, point you to your own answer. And that's really going to be the answer that I'm always give you. Because you are driving the bus. Uh, you're, you're the one who says what your animus journey looks like. You're the one in control of your own spiritual awakening. And, um, I can point you to what mystical aspects of animism look like, but it's going to be up to you to experience them and to see them. Okay. Um, the next question is, how do I deal with the pressure and work of being a light worker? So this is, um, I, I hope I'm not offending anybody with this language, but the light worker is, is a kind of new age term, I think. It's not an animist term. Um, because if you're a light worker, then Who's a dark worker? <laughs> I mean, you're everything. You're, you're light and dark. And if you're dividing yourself into a light worker, then either you're denying the darkness or you're making the darkness your enemy, which is not an animus concept. So the light needs the dark to exist. There is no... If you, if you eradicate the dark, you eradicate yourself. And then we're all gone. So I don't know if that's the goal. Maybe that's the goal. I don't know. <laughs> so how do you deal with the pressure of that is to... Let go of that as your work. It, it, so we have sovereignty, connection, and oneness. So sovereignty means you can do whatever you want to do. I can do whatever I want to do. Connection is the thing that keeps us from hurting each other and doing bad things. Now, it's going to happen intentionally sometimes, unintentionally sometimes, but that's kind of like the guide that gets, keeps you in the sweet spot in the middle, on the middle path, where you're good, I'm good. But, um, if you say I'm a light worker, it's kind of a way of saying, I know better than you. I'm going to save you. And that's really not an animistic way of thinking. It's like, you're, you're you, you do you, and I'm going to do me. Now, if you're on a bridge, I'm going to try to talk, talk, you, talk you down off the bridge. Because I don't want to see you hurt yourself. But, you know, if it's, if it's, less dire than that then do you I don't have to agree with what you're doing I don't have to agree with what you're saying it's not my journey and you're on the perfect journey for where you are for the things that you've experienced for the feelings that you have for the resources that you have the the education that you have it's the perfect journey for you so who am I to say hey you know wake up <laughs> who am I to say maybe you're more awake than I am so deal with the pressure of being a light worker by minding your own business not my circus, not my monkeys. I don't, I don't mean that to be like harsh. It's, 
is just well it is what it is <laughs> so <laughs> yeah if it, it, it's kind of egotistical so keep it humble say so this is what I'm doing for me and that way my light work is working on my own light maybe I need to shine my own bulb and that that's really the work of a light worker in my opinion shine your own bulb everything has energy if I'm shining brightly and I'm, I'm shining you know in a way that that resonates with other people then maybe I can help them shine their lights but it's not up to me to heal anybody or to change anybody. You're, you're perfect just as you are. Okay. All right. Number six. What's the difference between modern animism and indigenous animism? This is a really good question. Um, so I have a foot in both worlds. And indigenous animism is different. And I think... It, it's because we it is based in geography it is based in the land it is based in your tribe so indigenous animism generally those people have lived there for a long time they have a connection with the land tribes are small you know everybody in your community and these these are your people totally different from living in a modern world where you might not even know your neighbors you don't know the tree in your backyard, much less the area around where you live. Totally different, isn't it? So I think the thing that you do is just do it the way that you do it. Now you're not going to, I think it's kind of silly to, to try to adopt the practices of an indigenous animist culture when that's not where you live. Because it's holistic. Everything matters. If if I if my ancestors are wherever it doesn't matter where Mongolian, and maybe my Mongolian ancestors speak to me, but I don't live in Mongolia, and I don't have that Mongolian tribe, then it's going to be kind of foreign and weird to do all of that in Richmond. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, unless it is to you. If that if that's authentic to you, then do that. I, I don't do that because I don't have the support of everything, the the environment, the my grandparents are not, you know, I, I have real people, real people, living people that I knew, that I could touch, that I could speak to, um, to connect with, that it doesn't feel um, useful, maybe, close, I'm not sure. Uh, it doesn't feel like the best option to go back to ancient history. Now, if you if you don't have that, then that makes sense. Then that makes sense. It's what's going to tap you in. Um, and with modern animists, I think they, there's not as much of a foundation. So when I ritual with, with modern people, they make me nervous, honestly, because I don't know how safe they are. And you know what they know and that really matters when you're in in altered states because people can get crazy <laughs> you know safety is really important and you don't want to open yourself up to some something that when you're in in altered states that where you can't protect yourself so having a tribe is really important i if you don't have one come and see us you know, we're, we're not all that tight either, honestly, as a tribe, but we're trying. We're trying to get there. We're trying to cultivate the same foundation so that we can be safe for each other and understand what we're talking about. But if you, to be just like hanging out in the wind, geez, it's tough. And, and although we talk about solitary animists 
that's even tougher because people are social creatures. You need to be connected. You need to be connected to everything. Humans too. I know humans are scary creatures, but they're the closest thing to you. They're closer to you than, than plants or animals. And if you can't get along with other humans, if you can't have a relationship with other humans, then what is the relationship with yourself like? I'll, I'll just leave that there. <laughs> so the last question is, what is it like hanging out with animus? Um, I'm going to take that as indigenous animus, because I think that's what, what people mean. And it's, it is really different because they get things on a different level. So remember when I was talking about the right brain, left brain, walking with you at the same time? They're in that space. We are in that space. So there tends to be less conversation because of the frivolous stuff, uh, unless they're nervous and you're just meeting each other for the, well, not even then, really. Um, the conversations tend to be more meaningful. They tend to be less wordy because there are things that are shared that words cannot capture and you don't feel the need to fill the silence with chit chat or I don't have to say blah, 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 talking about an experience because you, you got it too. And I know you got it. Um, but there's a closeness that happens because we had a shared experience, a shared amazing experience. So it could be something in a ritual or something like that. And I don't, you don't have to talk about it. There's no words that you could say that would make the understanding better. It would diminish the, the experience to continue to talk about it. So you don't. Um, it tends to be more open and more honest, more vulnerable, I think. Um, because there's a sense of safety there. It's like you get it and I don't have to put on a mask. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to do all this other stuff. Um, sometimes it could could be not that because there's been lots of marginalization of animus and so if they don't know you that nobody can vouch for you then there can be a real big wall too so it depends on who it is but it's I think I became a therapist because in in the therapy room that's what happens. People take their masks off and they're more willing to be vulnerable. They're more willing to be present, more willing to be honest. And that's how I like to deal with people. When you're just out in, in regular society and people are talking about superficial stuff and it's about, I don't know, I, life is just weird. It's it's not really about a whole lot of every, anything. Then it feels empty and I don't really want to participate in it. And, and when you're with animus, it's, they're just not like that. It's just a, a different, deeper sense of reality, a deeper sense of connection. It's like if you, I don't know if this is true or not, but if you walked up to a tree and, and wanted to have a conversation, well, what would the tree say? I don't think it'd be like, hey, how you doing? You know, chit-chat, chit-chat, chit-chat. Who cares? The tree doesn't care. <laughs> it's got other things to do. It's deeper than that. It's it's uh, more in tune than that, and it's, I think the deeper that you live, the more real that you live, the less important that stuff becomes. It's not about the superficial stuff. It's not about how I look. I could be all wrinkled and everything, and you just, you just see past that. It's an energetic way of relating to people, I think, more. Um, I really like hanging out with animists. Really like it. I don't get to do it enough. Um, indigenous animists. It's just real. And if they're irritated, they're irritated. 
So it's not like it's um, sweetness and light because the, everybody has bad days and there's some not nice people. But when that happens, you know it. There's there's no uh, pretense about it. So I like it. Um, and there's some really rough characters too. And, and you know it. <laughs> yeah, it's more real. So... Uh, thanks for the questions. That's our show for this week. Um, thanks for tuning in. If these types of questions pique your curiosity about animism and you want to go deeper, you can join our private communities on Facebook and MeWe. MeWe is like Facebook, but um, MeWe doesn't share all your private information, so that's why we have two platforms. Some people have said they don't like Facebook. There's not a lot of people on MeWe, but you know we hear you, so we're responsive and we're over there. Um, I've been talking a lot about revamping the online experiential animism course. Sorry it's taken so long. We just have no money and no staff. Um, if you want to help with that, please support and donate on our website at pansociety.net. We'd love your support. Uh, but I have had created a hard deadline of Sunday, April 11th, which is the new moon in Aries. A good day for new beginnings. So come hell or high water, that's the date. I hope you will join us there and you can find about more about that at pansociety.org. The basic course is actually free. We don't believe in selling spirituality, but we do ask that you help support our mission with a donation. And the basic course is self-guided. Then there is a step-up course where you have access to me, as well as others in our group, for questions and guidance. And I encourage you to speak to each other because we're all mirrors for each other. And if someone else is closer to your now position, meaning where you are now, their feedback may resonate more than someone who is further away. So it's good to have different perspectives. Then if you want one-on-one -on -one help, I'm available for that. You can see me at laurajiles.org. That's totally all about you, and you don't have to share any time with anybody else. So that's really the best option if you're stuck, if you need support, if you're in a liminal space and need integration, that sort of thing. So lots of ways to jump in and get started or further your journey. So thank you all for joining us on this edition of Pan Society Radio. I'm so grateful for all of you for being here and tuning in. Hope you're having a fabulous week and staying safe from COVID. See you all next week. Bye.